to the heat said what raw and rugged special event i'm going to give you guys a round of applause for joining us this evening yes you guys are awesome so tonight is something different it's a special it's a special topic and i feel like it's much needed um that we discuss this between men and women um, the topic tonight is the societal misconceptions of black men and women. And joining us, we have ten, well, nine wonderful people who are going to basically address different questions from their own personal perspectives. So at 8.30, um, the listeners are able to then call in with your feedback on what you heard tonight. So just in case you're wondering, the phone number is 515-602-9647. Our first guest joining us is going to be the lovely Miss D. Wilson. Give her a round of applause. <laughs> hey, hey, D. Wilson is a consultant, entrepreneur, and she's just magnificent. So, D. Welcome to the show. Um, I'm so glad that you are able to get on with us and talk with us about these conversations. Joining D is one of the network's own, Mr. RG, a.k.a. Mr. Royal Games II. Sir, welcome to the show. Yay, yay. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> RG is also, he's an host, and he's also an entrepreneur, so... Tonight, their topic, um, the topic is Blacks Don't Have Money. And my question, and I guess we'll start with Dee first, the question tonight is, why do you think there's an impression that Black men and women are not wealthy when we're the biggest spenders? Um, Wow. So there is a huge difference between wealth and someone who has money. So wealth is something that is uh, generational, is something that, you know, is beyond what your own, you know, your net worth is. So you can definitely not have wealth and still have money. Um, you can still have, you know, debt and still have money in your pocket. Uh, with that being said, I think a big reason why people think that is because <laughs> kind of America has, has done African-Americans won when it comes to that. Um, a lot of the wealth that lies in other families in other cultures is due to real estate. And for a long time, black people were definitely shafted in that area. So a lot of their wealth comes from the home that they have purchased, the equity in that home. So mm -hmm. if black people are not owning homes, if black people are not, you know, getting educated or whatever as it was in years past, then, yeah, it would make sense to think that we didn't have money, but that's definitely not the case anymore. We've definitely progressed. We've overcome some things. So I think it's definitely time to lay that uh, that belief to rest. Okay, okay. Good answer. Listen, Miss, I'm not. Very good, very good. She heard her before, RG, right? I'm not into finance. Okay. Good answer. <laughs> RG, what about you? What do you think? And um, I will go ahead and ask the question again. The question is, why do you think there's an impression that black men and women are not wealthy when, it, when they're the biggest spenders? I would say stereotype, for one. 
because you can't be a really good portion of the gross domestic product and not have money. However, the way you are portrayed in a media system that doesn't really represent you does play a big factor in the way people think about you. Unfortunately, TV is still king, and it still shapes perceptions of our environment and the culture that we're in. So no matter what you do, what comes on that screen, what comes out of those speakers still play a big factor in the way people think about you. And that's really important to consider we're like 2022, 2021. We haven't evolved very much past what we see with our own eyes instead of understanding the greater picture. Because mm-hmm. um, the fact is that most Americans live their total life in debt. They're living check to check. You know what I mean? There's very few people who, and I'm not saying like we're, anybody on the phone is doing this, but I'm saying most Americans by Example, live in debt. You have a mortgage most of your life. You have car notes. So it's a very common thing. It just seems like we are highlighted as the poster child for things that are not right, no matter how much we actually measure up to anyone else. Nice. So. Okay, Archie, come through. So to follow up with that question and also just piggyback on what the both of you said, let me ask you this. Do you feel like coming out of the womb as an African-American male or female, we're given equal opportunities when it comes to setting yourself up for the future? And we'll start with D. Short answer? Or Short answer. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So as far as equal opportunity as a collective, I'm going to say no. Um, America still has a long way to go when it concerns, uh, you know, racial equality and things of that nature. When you still have the arrest rates the way that they're going, um, our communities are still broken or, you know, just different housing things. When you take all of those things into consideration, they eventually do affect our financial well-being. So if you still have those things going on systemically, you are at a disadvantage. Now, is a disadvantage meaning that you cannot, you know, overcome it? No, absolutely not. But, you know, you do have that systemic disadvantage, and I guess in a lot of ways we all have a disadvantage in one way or another. But, I, yeah, we're still kind of behind on a lot of things, behind in financial literacy, behind in legacy money. There are a lot of people who get stuff passed down. We don't have that as much because, again, for a minute, we couldn't even buy houses. There are a lot of things that we couldn't do. So those things still play into it in my head. I, I could be wrong. So. Okay. And, Argy, what do you think? Oh, she's right, she's right, she's right. Um, <laughs> only thing that we find equal in this world is we all live and die. Everything else in the middle is subject to change as you grow older. <laughs> and I, I know it sounds pretty morbid, but that's dead true. Um, especially when you have a, and I'm not one of those, like, tin hat foil people, but we already know that there is a system set up to make it where other people are meant to excel, where – we can have the same credit score. They can make $10 an hour. I can make $40 an hour. But, however, somehow their interest rate is going to be lower on that house than mine. Right. So yeah. when you have those disadvantages in place, it's always going to be a challenge to get over, especially right. when you know just because you live in certain areas, your car insurance is two times as high 
as the people who literally live in the next city, which I currently go through. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it, it's definitely – it's a stacked deck. And I'm not angry about it because I understand what the game is, but mm-hmm. it's very hard to explain that to the youth that no matter what they see in front of their face, they're already taking the 100-yard dash start behind everybody else. Right. And that's the sad part about it because we find ourselves having to tell people that not only you have to achieve, you have to overachieve just to kind of be equal. And that's very disheartening for a person or a young person to know that no matter what you do, it's always going to be. You have to always run 10 times harder than everybody else in that respect. So when it comes to the youth and with everything that you just said, Argy, when it comes to the youth and them feeling like they're never going to have that equal opportunity, what can we as the adults currently, as the parents, what can we do to make a change where our children could possibly have a chance? Tell the truth. Because, okay, and the reason why I say that, we always say, oh, you can be anything you want if you put your mind to it. No, be 100 with these kids. Like, yo, you got to be better than everybody else if you mm-hmm. plan on getting this. The Jay-Zs, the KDs, those are the – top 10% as um, WB the boys talked about. Those are the top 10%. Everybody else is 90. If you want to get to that point, you got to be better. And you can't just settle for what you see around you because that's not meant for you. Right. So you got to push the issue and be honest with the kids mm-hmm. and and be okay with who they are. Right. Because sometimes we always tell them one thing. Oh, dude, you got to go to college. That's the key. But some kids are not going to be good at school. So, all right, cool. If you're not going to be at school, you can be the best effing plumber. You can be the best bus driver. But you got to live the life to the best of your ability and use all your skills at the rate. Right. Okay. Steve, what do you think about what he said? I, I think that's definitely spot on, being realistic about what different um, choices get you as an outcome. Uh, he mentioned college, which is huge, where we had a lot of kids who went to college for X, Y, and Z, and they found out, oh, once I get out of school, these jobs don't pay anything. Being right. honest with your children about the fact that this major is probably going to have you broke. Being a liberal science, liberal art, what, what even as that? You know, it, you may not get paid off of that. Or, you know, just really sitting down with our kids and letting them know all the avenues they have to success. Um, We mentioned plumber or, you know, things like that, but entrepreneur is definitely something that is attainable for most Mm -hmm. people nowadays. Um, And you don't have to be a plumber. You don't have to dig ditches. You don't have to build houses. You can teach other people how to do something and get paid major money for it. But at the end of the day, excellence is really going to be the key in it. When you're able to operate in a higher level of excellence, whether you consider that a greater amount of effort than somebody else or not, you will be able to start to carve your own way in certain things. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're able to produce uh, something to a level that somebody else can't or you have a work ethic that they don't, you are going to excel. And the truth of the matter is is that majority of the people around you are mediocre at best. So Mm -hmm. it's really not that hard to stand out if you give that level of effort to, to elevate yourself. Uh, case in point, real quick, like I worked at a fast food place earlier in my life, 
And I was literally the only one that said I'm going to be dedicated to excellence in this place. Within six months, I was elevated to a manager position. Why? Because everybody else around me was really not trying to be there. They were really not trying to do what they were supposed to do. And that's usually the case in majority of the situations. Everybody else around here is just existing or whatever. But if you really put in the effort, if you really give that level of excellence and be dedicated to the work ethic, you'll be able to make something out of whatever situation you're in. Mm. You too. The the Batman and Robin kicking off the show, you guys. Very, very good answers. I I love it. And I I feel like everything that you guys have said is true, and there is hope for us. You know, we just have to be willing to go through the ups and the downs and understand that, yes, we are not set off with an equal opportunity like our counterparts. But that's okay. I mean, it was really not okay. But it, what can you do about it? Unless you change it, if you can't change it, then you got to find a way to beat the system legally, of course. So um, what I want to do now, because you both are entrepreneurs, I'm going to give you guys um, about two and a half minutes each right now to um, tell us what you have going on and also how people can reach out to you on social media. And we'll start with D. Wilson first. Oh, cool. Um, so I run Darshni Creative. We are a creative firm for our entrepreneurs, coaches, authors, speakers, and anyone else who is looking to really build their brand. Uh, we work hard to create visual branding websites, workbooks, and all of that good stuff so that your ideal clients are able to fall in love with what you do and are able to maximize on their own potential as well. You can find me on Facebook at Darshini Creative. You can find me on Instagram at Darshini Creative. That's D-A-R-S-H-A-N-I, Creative. Um, and, yeah, drop me a message or just follow and hang out. Or, you know, if you got some ideas or something you're interested in doing, I love to hear them. Oh, amazing. Thank you so very much once again for coming on tonight. And spreading the wisdom because, you know, granted, we can all sit here and say the same thing, but we all have our own special delivery at the end of the day as well. So I appreciate having you on D tonight. Round of applause once again. I had to work on my contract. Thank you so much. All right. And then, RG, go ahead and let the great people know what you do as well as how they can reach out to you. And then we'll move on into the second segment. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Um, I am RG. I am a co-host on Simply Sports with One Mike. And RG, you can catch us every Monday on YouTube and, of course, on the He Said What Network. Um, personally, I also run a gaming channel called 40 and Still Gaming. Technically, I looked at the landscape. I seen that my kids were playing video games every day, and I'm like, why don't make make this a business model? So we literally have a website called 40stillgaming.com. And we play video games as a family. We sell T-shirts, and we just want people to be a part of it. And it's all about family gaming. If, you don't, if you're not a video games, if you're in a family, if you're in a camaraderie, you can come check us out and um, just be a part of it. Uh, we stream on every major platform, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook Live. We do it all. Um, and just get at us. If you want to talk to me directly, you can always catch me on Instagram at rgamesii or Royal Games on any other platform. All right. Thank you so much as well, RG. 
Now, um, the next segment coming up, we were supposed to have um, Mr. Steve Burlack on with us, but unfortunately he couldn't make it. So in his place, we have um, this wonderful gentleman. Um, He is also part of the network. He goes by the name of Royal. Oh, wait. That's you, RJ. Yeah. I'm I'm still here. So RJ is going to be filling in um, for Steve, and then um, RJ's counterpart tonight, his teammate, is going to be the one and the only Michelle with one E, one E, you guys, not two, one. Michelle with one E. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. That's Michelle with one L, one L, one L. Why do I got one E? Girl. <laughs> I'm trying to rebrand your name, right? One L. Okay. Michelle was one L. I was looking at it too. Glad to be here. Thank you so very much. So, um, tonight, your topic for this evening um, that both you and RG will be tackling is to name three black women who have been successful without having to come off sexually toned in the music industry and what type of impact they've made. Now, before you guys actually tackle that um, that assignment, your topic was black women are super sexual and welfare driven. So that's where mm. your question derived from. Mm. Um, so... <laughs> So Michelle is on you first. Yes. Um, what do you have? Hey, so um, yeah, the topic: women, black women being uh, sexual and on welfare. Well, of course, that's what the media portrays. So that's what they—that's what people see. So they think that automatically that's what we are. That's all we are because that's mm-hmm. all you see right. on television. And that's all you see everywhere is that women half-naked, black women half-naked, that's, you know, that's the only talent we have is to be half-naked. Um, um, I think it's a myth because there are so many black women that are doing so many amazing things with their clothes on. Mm-hmm. I happen to be one of them. So no doubt. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a myth. I mean, I'm not saying that there are some black women out there that they're doing that, but at the end of the day, that's not all we are about and that's not all we are. Okay, okay, very good, very good. RG, what about you? Uh, what's your stance um, on black women being super sexual and welfare-driven? Can you think of any black women who are successful um, without having to be sexually toned in their work? Oh, no doubt. Okay, well, I want to just, I want to take it down here real quick, because you said it'd be rough rubbing your all, right? Uh-huh. So, came off the boat, right? And we were everybody's dandies, cooked and whatever. Then they realized the flavor was good. Then they made us mammies and messed us up. <laughs> then they realized we were sexy, uh-huh. and they put us on TV and made us show our ass. And then they said, How about that? Y'all tripping. <laughs> y'all tripping. <laughs> After we went from being mammies to now sex appeal. And now everybody wants to be like us. Just, just keeping it a buck. If we gonna, we gonna be raw. Um, but my examples of people who didn't have to go that route is um, Rhapsody. She's like really one of the dopest MCs I've heard in recent times. Mm-hmm. Um, Aretha Franklin and Queen Latifah. And mm-hmm. Queen Latifah be on the line sometimes. When I set it off, movie had me like scratching my head, but I did. <laughs> you know, everybody gotta do their thing. 
But for the most, you know, she's pretty much done it being a black righteous queen operating a space dominated by men and being really good at their job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Okay. So where do you think the whole welfare-driven um, idea came from when it comes to the myths and the misconceptions of black? You want me to do that one? Yeah, you can go first, and then we'll have Michelle with one L. Go. Okay. Uh, actually, and I don't usually refer to other people, but I heard Kevin Samuels talk about this. He actually had an interview with Joe Budden, and he was mm-hmm. saying when FDR had the New Deal, they were making it where every level of people could have federal assistance as far as money. And the study showed that, like, in theory, black women actually chose public assistance over actually having mates and husbands. Mm-hmm. And they found that very startling. And that misconception pretty much carried over into everything that we ever thought about black people. Whether it's true or not is not the question. Right. But anything we do becomes magnified and it becomes the truth. Like, we don't all have brains. Like, if I do something, all y'all did it too. I wear mm-hmm. Adidas, so we all wear Adidas. You know what I'm saying? So it's just another magnification of everyone's misconceptions and people not being able to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And then, Michelle, what do you think? Well, you remove the, black, remove the black man out of the household, and now you have single black women who have to contradict mm. themselves and, 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 and take care of the family, be the breadwinner, be everything. So now you limit them because now they have, they have to be mothers to the, and fathers, well, to these children. So now you have them on welfare. So and a lot of times it's generational. It's passed down because mm-hmm. that's what they learn. You know, the children come up in the welfare system learn that this is the thing to do. So society basically put that on us and then made it oh, this is all they are. Again, back to that, this is all they are. You know, just welfare recipients, black women, they just wanna have babies and be on and, and be on the system and then the welfare when Systematically, this is what they. This is how it's been designed. Because welfare is not to help us elevate; it's to keep us down. They just give you just enough. So, so when you look at it, you have to. There's somebody to blame. Somebody right. to blame, and you can't put the blame on on just black women. Right. Mm. Okay. I agree with with the both of you. Um, interesting enough, I do recall, I remember when I was like, I want to say 18, and I was on my mother's uh, health care insurance, and I wanted to try to um, get medical for myself, and the lady told me, clear as day, that unless I had a baby, I wouldn't qualify. And I was like, but I'm only wow. 18, and that didn't matter. She didn't care how old I was. The fact that I did not have a child, to her, that means I cannot get assistance. There's nothing that we can do. Wow. And so it's like, what type of message is that sending to young girls who may not be strong-minded, who may not be like, I wasn't raised this way. Right. It's a systematic breakdown of the family. That's what it is. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Y'all so they tell you, 
You know what I mean? Y'all, y'all remember the movie? Y'all remember the movie Claudine, right? You guys yeah. have just oh, that movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's a perfect example. You know, she can even have a man because and get married to the man because now if she gets married to the man, now she can no longer be on on public. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember they was running around the crib hiding stuff. So like, like, hey, this, okay, this. keep us keep us single. Yeah, yeah I remember. <laughs> exactly. They was hiding toasters and all that. It was crazy. You, you can't even have toasters. You can't even have somewhat of a luxury. That's you know, oh oh, you, where you getting that from? You must be getting some money. So that's that's the thing. That's the problem there is that they get they make they give you enough. Again, about saying they give you enough for you not to have enough. Mm-hmm. So because some women are scared, some people are, women are scared to get off welfare because they feel like okay my section eight is going to be taken away my food stamps mm-hmm. are going to be taken away but and now I'm making minimum wage which is not going to be enough for me to feed my family right so I'll just mm-hmm. I'll just stay on this in the system you know what the interesting thing to compare it and it, the both of them are very, very sad situations if you compare a woman who is on Section E or housing authority or just government assistance and her fear of having to become independent and actually work to take care of herself Mm. compare a guy who just got out of jail and now to work to take care of himself but he knows well if I just do the fast life thing then I'll get the same money quicker and you, mm-hmm. you, you they're both the same. It's the system. So it is. It's the system. How do we how do we get around? How do we get around the system and that mentality? How do we get through people who are afraid to get off the system or afraid to stay on the straight and narrow? I, 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 I think, think that, that you know. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You go. You go. You go. <laughs> I don't know. It's just. Um, it's one of those things where it's very hard to answer because, once again, we're not a bunch of drones. Everyone has their own decisions. And even though we can, we as a talented temp or the people who are considered talented temp have game and they explain these things, everyone still has to make an active choice to want to be better. And it's not just uh, just because this black person said that we all should do it. No, you people have to make an active choice to be great. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't see. A lot of people are very comfortable being just breathing and eating. And yeah. you have to have it in you, just like anyone else. Because one thing that a lot of people don't mention is that actually, like, white women are probably more on welfare than anyone else. The studies kind of show that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. We, catch the, we catch the bill for being the ones welfare dependent. And that's not me throwing shade. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fact. <laughs> Mm, so true. Okay. And, and I, just to piggyback off of, of of what RG said, he's absolutely right. For me, my you know my children are grown now, but when my kids were young and they were born, I was part of the system. But for mm-hmm. me, it was like, oh hell no, I cannot live like this for the rest of my life. And this is the thing. So for me, I needed to strive to do better for not only myself but for my kids. It's a it's a mindset. And, and and I think having these conversations like mm-hmm. this are helpful to somebody who might be out there that's listening who is on welfare to say, mm-hmm. you know what, this is not what it is. And, okay, I might have to start with a minimum wage job, but, you know, that's something. And it makes you strive. Go back to school. Go do something to help elevate your mind. 
It's really mm-hmm. about your mind. You got to change your mindset. If you don't change your mindset, then you're going to be stuck. Right. Mm-hmm. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. And this is one thing that we we need to make sure we clarify. If you need help, you need help. There's no shade in that because everyone That's right. needs help. Ain't nobody out here just getting it from day one, especially if you're mm-hmm. a person of brown skin descent. So mm-hmm. if you need help, there's no shade in that. The thing is, once you get their help, where do you go from there? And right. I think that's a misconception. Right. A lot of people have a shameful feeling because they need help. No, nobody get it on their own. We all need help. And, hell, I'm, right. I might be doing well now. I might struggle tomorrow. You never know. Shit happens. But where do you go after you get your help? Right. And that's the right. thing that we need to understand. Because right. ain't no wrong right. getting help if you need it. Let so, me help, but not a lifestyle. Right. Mm-hmm. Help, but not a lifestyle. <laughs> right. So once you get the help, and like you said, if you may fall, what are some things that you can do to get back up and not stay down? And we'll start with RG. Um, not be afraid. Not be afraid of failure. Because mm-hmm. that's the key. A lot of people are afraid to fail, and they don't understand by being afraid you're actually doing yourself a disservice. You'll always be in fear, and you'll always live the way where you are if you're not afraid to take chances. Right. And you're taking right. a dude that's always taking chances. And I'm not saying, like, I'm some guru. I just refuse to just let stuff just stop me. Right. I'd rather mm. fail and try it over and over again than to sit up there and just not have anything. You know what I'm saying? It's just right. how I'm feeling. Right. Because at least you tried. And it don't always work out, by the way, just so you know. It don't always work out. But at least... Yeah, but at least I know that I can live knowing I put my best effort in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm, okay. And then Michelle, yeah. you have to, like you have to step out of your comfort zone. Successful people are uncomfortable. You don't become successful just being comfort comfort comfortable and staying in a comfort zone. You have to step out of it. Mm-hmm. You, you you know again it's your mindset. You have to be okay with being uncomfortable sometimes. Right. Hmm. I'll tell you that that the fear of not knowing, I think, is probably yes. the biggest thing to try to jump over because, you know, sometimes you, you want to know. You want to, you know, hey, can you just give me right. something? Like, what do you foresee? You know, instead of just going in it. And that's just really a test of your faith and your determination. Absolutely. Because you don't know, are you going to stop? I'm pretty sure you're not. Right. So um, what are some things that have kept you guys both grounded and and motivated to continue to go even when things got hard? And we'll start with Michelle. For me, being on welfare Mm -hmm. and never, ever, ever wanting to go back to that space or even mentally going back to that space because it wasn't cool. Because not knowing and, and having to, and back then when I was on welfare, we I was getting like 200 and, 200 and something dollars a month. Wow. wow. Yes. So, I mean, that was years ago. I mean, my oldest child is 31, but still, $200 and some change a month with some food stamps, and that was what you had to make it through the month. Mm. So, for me, it's being broke and poor is what I never want to be. Mm-hmm. So that's what keeps me focused and grounded, and my faith, of course, my spirituality, and and mm-hmm. just being grounded. That yeah. helps keep me motivated. 
where have you seen blacks who have selflessly given back to communities that get little to no recognition? And we'll start with Jay Rose. Um, well, um, I, I have the fortunate, uh, I'm, it's fortunate for me that I am surrounded by, um, a lot of black and Latinos and other people of color that do a lot for the community. So the people that I would mention are people that are actually like my friends and people that, um, that I collaborate with often. So, you know, I have a really good friend of mine. Her name is Queen Candace and she focuses on, uh, she's the CEO of the Queen Blueprint. And she focuses on teaching financial literacy and finance and uh, financial psychology. So mm-hmm. not only does she help, and her focus is of course helping the black community. So she foc- she does workshops, she does like home buyers um, uh, workshops, and a lot of that stuff is free. Um, mm-hmm. She you know obviously she has a business, so she there's a way that she monetizes on her knowledge, but. She also turns around and does a lot of community work, and, you know, she teaches people how to repair their relationship with money from a psychological standpoint, and I think it's beautiful that she does that because in our communities, a lot of time, like, mental health isn't really something that's fully addressed, and the fact that she can address that and tie it into how that affects us financially is, I think, that she should get a lot more credit, like, people should know about her and what she does. You know, and I have another friend who focuses on helping uh, people that have gone through trauma, mostly black women. And she has a talk show where they discuss the trauma and it's all types of different trauma. And, you know, they go, they talk about how they healed and things like that. And I just feel like I'm surrounded by a lot of people that do work like that for the community. And, you know, these are the people that I feel like you sh- they should be on the news. They should be on, you know, trending in all the, the social media. You know, instead of like, you know, stupid things, they just sometimes trend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. Listen, let me go ahead. Yeah. Also, financial literacy is very important. And I think that's something that we were just talking about in the first segment um, when, when the topic was that um, blacks do not have money. So, um, Rob, what about you, Rob? Man, there's, there's, there's always so many different um, <clears throat> subjects or, or directions I can go with this question. Um, I want to start off by somebody that everybody always sees um, in movies uh, for as long as anyone has been on this planet. Well, for us, then Denzel Washington has been in – movie after movie after movie for years, right? And everybody sees this person as um, the movie guy, one of the best actors in the world. Um, Several times throughout the year, um, he gives back, and not just a little bit. He gives back millions of dollars. And it was a post that came out maybe two or three years ago, and and somebody actually talked about that. They said... um, we we went to his movies and we love who he is mm-hmm. on the screen, but we truly don't know who he is behind the screen because he's not someone that boasts and brags about that all the time. But um, I want to say it was a it was a school he went to, 
or it was a Thanksgiving. I, I don't remember which one this event was, but it was something crazy like a thousand turkeys that he gave out um, that he took out of his own pocket, the money out of his own pocket to make this happen. Um, and that's somebody who is black. And that's somebody who gives back. And that's somebody who always does it, but is not recognized for it. You know what I mean? We're recognized for the things like uh, entertainment, but we're not recognized for uh, giving back for as the things that actually matter. And another person is uh, Reverend Sh- uh, Shane Harris. So he's a, He's a freedom fighter, and he's down in San Diego. If you if you just Google his name, he's right under Al Sharpton. Like that's his mentor, and he and, and he's his uh, a mentee. He's somebody who's always on the news, fighting for. I'm talking about black rights. I'm talking about if somebody dies, he is the person in Southern California that everybody goes to. Um, and if you look. Beyond the Instagram, if you look behind him being on the news, and this is somebody who's 27 years old, right? He is somebody who is always putting his time, his effort, and his resources to give back to the black community. And these are the things that don't get looked at. It's always about the entertainment or it's always about what's in front of our face. Like, black people are like this. Black people act like this. And that's what's recognized. And that's the stereotype that we get. But the reality of the situation is blacks give back. I don't want to say more than anybody else, but blacks always give back, but we're not recognized for it. Right. That is so true. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Why is that? Like, why is it that those who who pour into the community, um, the minute they do something bad or just something that everybody else is possibly doing, like they may get caught drinking and driving or something like that, the minute that it hits the news, they're like shunned. They're like the black sheep. Why? Why? Why does that happen? Well, it's the easiest target, you know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, it's like it's the easiest uh, target, you know. Um, you know who's who's going to be the easiest person to to use as a scapegoat? It's going to be the person that's the most oppressed. And people like to jump on that opportunity to immediately put, you know, um, criminalize black people before they try to criminalize a white person. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's sad and unfortunate, but what's, you know, I, I, not to like veer off this particular question, but, you know, you mentioned like how they say that black people don't have money and things like that. Mm-hmm. If black people didn't have money, they wouldn't be the biggest target demographic for these major corporations. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what, that's what our communities need to realize. Like we are the biggest target, especially black women are the biggest target demographic for all these major companies. So if we didn't have money, they wouldn't be coming after it. For, they wouldn't be coming after our money, you know. Um, so, you know, and then just to address what you just um, asked, yeah, we're it's like it's who's going to be easier to point the finger? Who is society going to immediately kind of say, oh yeah, well of course, you know, right. of course it's it's that's it's the black person that's driving drunk, you know. Um, and if it's the white person, it's more like, well, well what's going on, you know? Uh, maybe they were having problems at home, and they, they start coming up with all these excuses as to why this white person 
or, you know, uh, why this person was drinking and driving, but immediately if it's a black person, it's like, oh, yeah, well, that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Very deep. Rob, what do you think? Well, I want to go back to the black people don't don't have money. Black people are are trendsetters. Black people are inventors. (laughs) Black people are innovators. Um, If we go back to Black Wall Street, black people, we we were building an entire city of Mm -hmm. black wealth. I'm talking about this is the stuff that people don't know about. And you can you can Google this, but black people we, we were creating not only businesses, but we were creating doctors, we were creating lawyers, we we're creating all these things outside of entertainment, with outside of of well, this is what a black person should be. So we we're creating all of these different things. But as always, especially the black male, black women as well, but the black males, we become a threat. So mm-hmm. when we become a threat then that's when it's like, you know what, we got to tear that down. We got we, we to gotta break that down. And let, me, and let me go in a little bit deeper on that before I move on. But when I say we, we were creating doctors, we were creating lawyers, we were the ones putting the, the kids through school, putting the ones through college, not going outside of what we were building, the Black Wall Street, before they came and destroyed that down. So even mm-hmm. to this day, if you go to places like California, uh, places, uh, um, different cities in California, different cities in D.C., in these different cities, it's black wealth, but uh-huh. we don't know that. So they because we're we're locked in a box of where we are. So there's there's black wealth everywhere. It's just not uh, put out into the media. So to answer that question, is it kind of coincides with what I was just now saying right now? <clears throat> it's a stereotype. If I can if I can see a black person this way on on always on the news, then I will I will I will see that in person. Why is mm-hmm. that? Because how many, how many um, people outside of, of black people have other friends? And what I mean by that is how many white people actually have black friends? How many mm-hmm. other people have these black friends? So what do you see as a black person, what they portray on TV? So right. it's like if you're, not, if you're not entertaining me, like, like go dribble a ball and, and make me millions, or be on stage and, and, and entertain me in some way, shape, or form. If you're not entertaining me, then it's kind of like you're you're nothing. And I always go back to uh, Lupe Fiasco because Lupe Fiasco is, 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 is a genius. He always said, if you're not an actor, then you'll never be a factor. So it's like if you're not fitting this stereotype of what I put you in, then you, you're not a factor. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's uh, that's deep right there. Uh, if you're not um, – mm-hmm. Say it for me one more time. Let me write that down. <laughs> if you're not, <laughs> if you never, it, if I'm not mistaken, the verse goes: If you never become an actor, then you'll never be a factor. Mm. Okay, Lupe. I got to look Lupe up. Lupe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Now I'm not completely underrated. <laughs> underrated rapper. <laughs> All right, he's under the radar. So how do we how do we grow how do we grow beyond suppression you know because we're born into it period and like R G and Michelle with one with one L I want to say with one E with one L was saying it's like when you're born into suppression you got to work twice if not three times as hard just to become equal with someone else who's who's right next to you so. 
how do we grow beyond um, the stereotypes, the negative images that are portrayed when it comes to black men and women? And we'll start with we'll start with Rose. Rose. Um, I would say there's parts of it is stop perpetuating it. You know, like for me, it's all mentality. So if you're gonna walk around thinking that you were born oppressed, you know, that's kind of like what you're going to always live by, the big decisions that you make, the opportunities that you get, you're always going to blame it on that. So it's, first of all, it's just changing that mentality of like, you know, I do have the power within myself. This power does not belong to anybody else. And I, you, we should not be striving to feel equal to anybody else because we already are at their level. So it, at the end of the day, it's about us kind of building community with each other and, and you know, circulating finance, finances within our own communities. Um, that's really where it begins. You know, instead of going to the big department store, you know, go to your local, your local uh, merchant who is black-owned. And, and stop complaining and asking for discounts and, and, and you know, handouts from your, our own people. You know, at the end of the day, we don't we don't go to Macy's and you know get this three hundred dollar coat, and you know we're not we want the coat, so what we're gonna spend the three hundred dollars on it? We don't sit there and talk to the cashier and be like, yo, you know what's up? Can you give me the friends the friends and family discount? So we need to stop doing that to each other because mm. you know that doesn't that that perpetuates that op- oppression, you know. So now you can't your your people can't even make a dollar because you're asking for a discount. Like respect people's prices, respect their business, respect their craft, and circulate the money within our communities. Like there's there's cultures out there that they stay the money stays. Like the life of a dollar in our communities is less than twenty four twenty four hours, right? But when you go to other cultures, the the life of a dollar literally is like months and years that it lasts within the community, and we need to move like that. You know, there's mm-hmm. cultures out there that they go to the same that their 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 doctor, their lawyer, the butcher, the the like everybody that they put their money into is part of their culture, part of of you know their community. We need to do more of that. Mm. Mm. Very well said. Mm. Yes, yes. I'm, I, I, I'm so glad you touched on that because I was thinking the same thing, and, and I can't remember the exact uh, number amount, but that that's true. Uh, and and I, I want to jump on that too because there's 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 something that we can do, and some some things that that we should do. So what we should do is actually support each other and not say that we're going to support each other or say we're going to be there for each other. It's really easy to say, you know what, I'm going to be there for you when you build your business or you go for your dream and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can to make sure you do that and not actually do it. And that's mm-hmm. what happens. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, a lot of people talk about it, but they don't actually do it. So there, so there, there there's two things. Um, the, the first thing is we need to have our own. You need to. We need to be able to have our own. Like you, you can't build wealth. You can't get out of your your current situation, living in the rat race. If you're working a nine to five your entire life, like you, you have to get to the mm-hmm. point where 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 you're building wealth, where where you're building products, you're making connections outside of your circle. So in order for us to to 
to leave our current situation, we have to first look beyond the situation. And as, we look in, as we're looking beyond that situation, we need to look at how can I build a business, but not just any business, mm-hmm. a business that I can pass down for generation to generation to generation. So we're right. creating generational yeah. wealth. And, and it, takes a life, it takes a lifetime for one person to create generational wealth. And I'm not talking about like uh, a hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand dollars, or a million or two. I'm talking about a brand, a label that you can pass down to your children's children. So as mm-hmm. we're looking beyond, and then we create, we we create business. We support each other in that business, and not actually, and not, and not talk about it because that's what people do. They live yeah. in a in a in a in a world of dreaming all the time. I'm gonna be a dreamer because it's it's it, mm-hmm. it feels way better to dream than actually act. Or the person mm-hmm. is in that business and trying to understand what it is to, to be in business. I'm talking about the marketing, the promotion, the hiring, the firing, the training, the self-development, mm-hmm. all of these different areas to build a business, but they're by themselves. They're alone. They don't have any support. So as we build the business, we need to look for other people in other businesses, black-owned businesses, and actually put your money, just like my sister just now said, put the money in that business and make sure that that person thrives and not just talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay, go ahead and drop the mic. Sorry, I need to drop the mic sound effect. Uh, <laughs> can I just add something really quick to this? Um, it's also like utilizing our allies, right? Because there's people out there that may not be a part of the black community, but they do have connections, right? They do have resources that can help us. So we also strategically utilize our allies um, to get the right connections. And, like, listen, we every, people have different skin colors, but money is the same color. Money is green no matter where you go, you know? So... Uh, so we utilize, you know, people that really want to support us that are outside of the black community, you know, mm-hmm. to use that. Use that to your advantage as well. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So while we are on Jay Rose, Jay Rose, please let the people know what is it that you do and how can they find you and support what you have going on? Okay, well, I do a lot, so I'm going to pick one thing for y'all, okay? <laughs> um, I am a spoken word artist, and I am a talk show host. I have a show called The J-Rose Experience, where I travel to different cities, and I interview poets based in those cities. Um, you can find me at my underscore crumbled thoughts, that's my crumbled thoughts, because, you know, I'm a poet, so I got to be creative um and that's on instagram <laughs> that's on instagram that's really where i i you know put a lot of my content and i do a whole lot of things for the creative community especially for creatives um that come from you know people of color latinos blacks you know people that are underrepresented um that's really a big focus for me on my platform so yeah connect with me i'm here for it awesome Thank you so much, Jay Rose, for being a part of this. Um, your feedback, Thank you for having your me. knowledge. Oh, you are so welcome. Listen, and I will have an announcement at the end for all of those who are listening. So remember these names of our guests because you're going to hear them again. Thank you. So, Rob, Mr. Rob Wells, uh, let the people know no. what it is that you do and how can they reach out to you and support what you got going on. 
Uh, man, um, uh, I live. I help people live life uh, with purpose, on purpose, by becoming the master designers of their life. Uh, mm-hmm. I focus on true trans. I focus on true transformation. Um, transformational speaker, transformational coach, um, weight loss specialist, and uh, you can find me at uh, purposefulpurpose.com. Or also uh, head over to Facebook. So Facebook slash Rob Wells. I'm doing live videos every single day. Uh, my goal is to change the world. So one step at a time. Yes. Thank you as well, Mr. Rob Wells, for joining us tonight. Once again, it was lovely having you on the show again. Um, as he was Yo. yes on the network. So thank you both again for joining us tonight. I'm going to um, let you guys go back and listen to the rest of the show. And then at any study, if you guys want to come back up and piggyback off of something that you may have heard,
what is this? It's, I lost my train of thought. But basically, it, it, um, they built these prisons. You know, they got to fill them up. And what's, what's, what better way than black men in there and divide the black family, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, right. kill a man out of the black household. And, I mean, that goes all the way back to what y'all talking about, the welfare system. There's no black men in the home, you know? So it keeps right. trapped. If you take the, you know, the main society, go get her, I guess, as a black man out of the home, it leaves the women and children back by themselves in the house that's undefended. We don't protect our black women, so that's another stereotype, you know. But society basically built this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's, I mean, so, we're just like, man, we, 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 go ahead. No, go, I was going to, um, <laughs> You said with the the prisons, and I know at one point there was some talk about um, some celebrities who were prison investors. Um, you know, well, so they had stock in these prisons, and they were, you know, basically putting their money into them. So, what what's your thought on um, the whole just? The inequality when you look at African American men and non African American men and the treatment that they receive when they are looked at as uh, a criminal, you know, by law enforcement. You know, how does the treatment differ? Well, I read something recently and it just put it all back in perspective like runaway slaves, you know, like going back to that whole whole error. It's like, what's different from, from the slave catches to the police and the white police uniform? It's the same demographic. You know? Let's get them, you know? And that, that, that's, the, that's the only thing I can about us being, it's like we're being targeted, just like, you know, like we run away with slaves still. Right. Yeah. So, but still a slave. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, I think I, it's still and, that mentality. Angela, what do you think? I definitely, I still have to stand on intimidation because I think about, um, you know, the the young white man that killed the people, the black folks in uh, South Carolina. They took him. He was put placed in handcuffs very softly. They took him allegedly to Burger King. And then you have an incident with, you know, where our black men, they're literally scared to be stopped by police. Mm-hmm. And, and when they are stopped, they they run because if you make any type of movement, Boom, that's just a license to kill, a, a reason to kill. Oh, he moved a little bit, or he was going to get, you know, we're just, it's, 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 it's very sad. And, uh, yeah. Mm. It's, it's very sad that we are, or our, I'm sorry, our black men are looked upon as, you know, just animals instead of human beings that, you know, right. they have families they're trying to get back to, right. kids that they need to raise. And if you're killing them all, how are they supposed to raise the kids? You're leaving right. them. With these, with these black mothers to, you know, fend by themselves. Right. Yep. Mm, that's, yeah. that's so true. And it, it is interesting. Um, I remember I was on um, Netflix, and I was just looking for stuff to watch, and I came across this one film, and it was a black guy, and this is, the, this is how the film went. The black dude woke up. Um, in the bed next to a woman that he had just had sex with. And um, he gets up, puts on his clothes, has a conversation with her. 
And he's like, hey, thanks, you know, I'll catch up with you. And he leaves, he goes downstairs, he stays in a high rise, like A A class type neighborhood, um, like a suite. Yeah. And he he bumps into a guy who spills coffee on himself, he apologizes, the guy walks away, a cop approaches him, Hey, is there a problem? And he's like, No, there's no problem. He puts his hand in his pocket, a roll of money falls out. The officer confronts him about the money. Oh, you know, what are you doing around here? And the monster mm-hmm. it was a dream. Regardless yeah. of how the guy would approach and change the way that he interacted with mm-hmm. the people in the police officer, the police officer would still shoot him. It was to right. where he didn't even leave the apartment. He stayed in the apartment with the girl and the SWAT team kicked in the door and they shot just him. So mm. it's like this is the this is what black men and women have And women, yeah. Yeah. Because it can happen to women too and it's happening to women too. So how yeah. do we as a community stand up without being victims or coming off as victimized and saying enough is enough? I don't know what we can do anymore, you know? You go ahead, Angela. Yeah, I have to, you know, honestly, I have to agree with that. It's hard to say, you know, because we can talk about, we can say things like, oh, we got to be unified or, you know, we have to stand together and we have to, you know, but, but it, you know, and that, that stuff is true. We have to stop fighting each other and start fighting against what is actually, you know, what actually matters. And that's, yeah. you know, just coming together and, and changing the way how we think as black people. I think like one young lady earlier mentioned, you know, not thinking about us being oppressed because if we keep constantly thinking that, that's how we're going to act. That's how we're going to move. And also just the way that us black people, black men and women, how we um, present ourselves, how we dress, how we speak. I think those are good ways to start small things that we can start doing to kind of change the narrative and just sticking together, you know, making yeah. sure that we're not fighting against each other. Yeah. Yep. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, and it's like, no matter what we do, when we, when we kneel, you know what I mean? They, pro- mm-hmm. they, they were mad about that. When we put our fists up, black lives matter. We can't even do that at the Olympics no more, you know? Uh, so I don't know, but you know, a group of people can storm the White House <laughs> and not a not 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 a shot fired, you know. So I I really don't know. I mean, we pray. We've been praying for I don't know how many years. I know I'm coming off like Malcolm X or whatever, but it's it's so like I don't know what else is there to right. do. Like yeah. it, it's so it's frustrating. So if. You two, if you guys really don't know what to do, and I don't know <laughs> what to do, how do you think our children feel when they see this? And they're looking up to us for us to do something right. about it. Because we're all this time in raising them, we've raised them that we're going to protect them. Right. And, you know, I grew up in a world, I was always super optimistic about, you know, what can, what can be, what it should be, and how it should be. But, you know, you, you see about nothing's changed. It's just the fact that it's in our face more often now because of social media, because of the news and all of this. So that's, you know, that's the most frustrating part about it is, like, you're seeing it daily and, it, and you still feel lost. Right. I feel the same way. I, I think our kids are kind of feeling hopeless, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, us as parents, 
you know, the mm-hmm. best thing that we can do is just pour into them. Like I'm, I'm a firm believer in affirmations and pouring positivity and encouragement into people. And I think that's, that's the best thing that we can do. Like they said earlier, if you don't encourage your kids to go to college, encourage them to do something and do it to the best of your ability. You know, my grandfather, he didn't go to, he was a black man coming up, um, working around a lot of white men and he did not go to college, but he was the best dang on electrician on that job every single day, every time he walked mm-hmm. in, and, that, and that's what we can do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just okay. pour into them, pour, pour encouragement into them. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I agree a thousand percent with you guys on that. <laughs> so now, because of the, the question that you guys had, and for those who have tuned in, this is, he said, what raw and rugged, and we are discussing the societal misconceptions of black men and women. Um, And so tonight we have Angela Roll and Mike Johnson, and their topic was black men are drug dealers, muggers, and hobos, basically criminal predators. And their question was, when it comes to current crimes, why do you feel black men have been painted as predictable criminals, even as an educated and successful person or people? Now, When it comes to education, do Mm -hmm. you feel like there's equality there um, where an African-American male is able to get um, not only an education, but be able to get a good-paying job with the degree that he has obtained from completing his schooling? I think I'll, I think he has the opportunity. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you're fine. I, I think he has the opportunity, but you know, to be in these places that uh, you know a white man may be that that has the same credentials, but uh-huh. he's not going to be as respected because of his skin color. Uh-huh. Or is it one of those things where, well, where did he go to school? Or, you know, right. did he really do all his work? You know, there's always going to be questions that people are going to be asking that they're not asking the other race. Yep. And I, I feel like a black man has to be 10 times better and a black woman got to be 25 times as better as that black man. So, you know, and not just in our, not just in our uh, community, we have to go outside our community to get recognized because otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. our teachers and stuff are under, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't get the same curriculum as, mm-hmm. say, a suburban school. We don't have all the extra after-school activities and things of that nature to okay. nurture a kid, you know. Yeah. But you have to go to the suburbs to get the better education, the better, um, you know, the better opportunity to go to a higher level at uh, college or anything like that. And then once you hit the job for us, just like uh, Angela just said, you know, um, our credentials got to be 25 times better than – you know, uh, mm-hmm. the other race, you know, you mm-hmm. know in order yep. to even compete. And and, yep. and don't let and, – and, and quite as you kept look at our resumes and look at our names and that, that type of thing. Like, Michael Johnson is a common name. I'm lucky, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's, that's just that's, – that's crazy to think of it like that, that, you know, I'm judged before I even walk through the door. Right. Yeah. Because of where I came from, yeah. So the interesting thing, um, mm-hmm. and it's crazy because it all goes back to the community, is when you yep. look at the schools in these poverty-stricken areas, 
do you really think that the curriculum is a concern for the school? Because from my understanding and being in an organization and seeing what these kids go through, the teachers are more concerned whether or not these children have had a breakfast. Have they? Did they have dinner last night? Because when you have children who are starving, they can't focus. Yep. And if right. they can't focus, then that makes the teacher's job even harder to do. You may have some students who can pay attention, but a lot of the times, you know, they're facing challenges such as just a hot meal in the household before even right. come to school. And then what are they going through at home? Are their parents fighting? Are their parents on drugs? Do they live with their parents or do they stay with their right. parents? Right. Is one of the parents, in, is, one, is the father in prison? Right. Right. Yep. So this, you know? There's so many factors when it comes to African-American men and women that we go through, that we have to naturally be strong in order to even get through. If you if you complete high school, if you get a high school diploma, you are already doing it. Like right, right. <laughs> that is a challenge. And then it's like if you can if you can complete high school and you can live to see the age twenty one, oh, that's an accomplishment. So, right. Yep. There's so many factors that play a role in how we operate um, today <laughs> that other people aren't going to be able to relate to. Right. Yeah, and just like one more thing, like like you said, what is that kid going through? Say his father's in jail or whatnot, and his mom, you know, the mom is working two two jobs trying to keep you know ends meeting. And he's in what, let's say, the sixth grade, watching his other two brothers or something like that, who are, you know, making sure that they they eat right. before he do. Yeah, right. You know, and it's like we taught to survive. That's not right. living. Right, right. Yeah, that's why when yeah. you have things like the um, the recessions and things like that 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 happen, you can see who's really built for this. Like, we, we're yeah. not jumping off buildings and doing all of this other stuff because we're so used <laughs> no. to struggling that we know how to survive. Right. Yeah, it's almost like natural yep. instinct, survival of the city. Right. Yep. So, well, you two, I'm, listen, you guys got me going. <laughs> you didn't change my mood. I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was happy. On a happy note, though, um, mm-hmm. just just the fact that knowing that that's the history that we come from, and then we can yeah. turn around and we can be the first um, African American football player in the NFL or the first African American doctor, you know, that right there should make us very proud because we have Absolutely. that. In our- like there isn't anything yeah. that we can't do, and that's—I think—that's what, what what confuses a lot of people is how 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 are you able to how are you able to get your master's and become a doctor, but your father is locked up and your mother's on drugs. Like, right, we're underestimated. Right, very right. Underestimated. So, all right. Uh-huh. Our, 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 our,
Mike, Mike, yes. Mike, go ahead yes. and let the good people know what do you have going on and how can they support you online? Where can they find you? I mean, you can find me everywhere uh, on social media. I'm, I'm even on Black Planet, y'all. But uh, you can uh, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram. It's all I am underscore one Mike. Um, I'm a poet. I also uh, host this this uh, big time radio sports show on the Hook. He said what radio network? I think it's Not called Simply it right. Sports. Huh, I ain't say right. No. Oh yeah, you can follow me on the He said what radio yes. network. <laughs> 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 Every Monday from eight to about what nine thirty, we cut it off. So mm, um, yeah, we always so. have a good show going on there. Uh, it's me, um, RG, and yours truly, simply Bree. Yeah. Uh, so we definitely have a ball doing that. But again, it's one mic, uh, Instagram, and everything else. And I had a ball doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you, thank you for being a part of it. And like I said, at the end of the show tonight. I have a special announcement. So you guys make sure you write down these names of the guests from this evening um, because we will definitely hear them again. And um, Miss Angela Rowe, how about you? How can they find you online? What do you have going on and how can they support you? So I currently am working on another book to release late this year. I'm an author, relationship coach. I'm strictly teaching Christian women how to build powerful relationships and marriages, keep their marriages unhealthy. And you can find me at Love Inspiry on Facebook and Love Inspiry on TikTok and uh, Instagram. So, and also on YouTube as well. I teach uh, videos, uh, free videos over there every Wednesday and Monday. So you can check me out there as well. Amazing. Not to see no TikTok video. What's up? Okay, Angela, go ahead. Little bubbles be popping up and stuff. I'm like, okay. Are you all checking out the comments in in the background, though? I listen. I I try to like watch it all. And then go yeah, you got to. I mean, they they live, they inspirational and everything. Shout out to Alan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, her and Alan, yes. They're like a TikTok <laughs> guru. Right. Well, well, speaking of Alan, we're going to go ahead and bring Alan and Rhea up. So, Angela and Mike, thank you two for joining us this evening. I'm going to put you guys back in the background and listen. And then if you want to chime in around 8.30, 8.35 or so, and we're going to let callers call in. Um, feel free to, you know, give us a chime, okay? All right. All right. Um, so, speaking of the one and only Alan and Ree, bringing them both to the stage, this dynamic duo, we have um, Alan, who is an entrepreneur as well as a host, and we have, and as a matter of fact, I always say his whole name, Alan Newman, Jr., and joining um, <laughs> him as well, we have Ree, uh, and I only call her Ree, so I just go for her Ree. She is an author, entrepreneur, and she is the PR specialist for the He Said What Radio Network. So welcome you both. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Hello. Hey, hey. Hi. How's it going? Yeah, it's going awesome. So. You guys have a very interesting topic this evening. Uh-oh, this evening. Um, so for those who just tuned in, this is He Said What 
Raw and Rugged, and we are discussing the societal misconceptions of black men and women. And this evening, um, our guests, Rhea and Alan, their topic was black women are aggressive and angry, verbally combative. And your question for the night, why are black women viewed as angry when they chose or choose not to smile or entertain unwanted approaches. And we'll start with Ray. Well, hello, everyone, first of all. Um, I think it's just a stereotype as the rest of the panel has, um, everyone has the same uh, mindset of this society, you know, why the word angry, why couldn't it just be serious as opposed to angry is always something negative when it comes to us mm-hmm. black folks mm-hmm. from society. And um, being that, you, I mean, would you pretty much like uh Smile at unwanted approaches, really? <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. No. You know, but when it comes to us, and especially black women, when we are confident, independent, independent, and assertive, we have to be that angry black woman. So it's like, are you intimidated? You know, like another panelist said, are you intimidated? This is why you give us the negative of pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Everything we do is a negative. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I said, it's a stereotype, and society has put that in the mindset of folks. Right. Okay. Very well said, Ray. Very well said. And... Alan, what about you? What do you think? Man, first of all, if if I'll be 100% honest, um, the reason they're trying to put that stereotype on black women is for some reason society believes they have a right to a black woman's smile and happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, just because a black woman doesn't smile when either being approached or being talked to doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong with her negative. Uh, negatively, for some reason, we live in a time where we feel like black women owe us something. They owe us a response. They owe us a smile. They owe us a flirt. No, they don't. Uh, we we definitely live in a time frame where, if you look at television, social media, it's always portrayed that if a black woman is not smiling or if she's on her grind and doing what she got to do, something's wrong with her, because we stereotype you guys as this strong black woman, that she has no feelings. Um, The only time she should have feelings is if we approach her, if we try and talk to her, because we feel like she should be honored that one of us decide we want to speak to her. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it's a very selfish take that society has put on. Um, Black women are very, um, like the panel's been saying, stereotypical, Um, because nine times out of ten, most black women not even thinking about you. <laughs> like, you guys be thinking about something else. <laughs> um, like, and that that's what makes it so aggravating because um, people want to be able to control how other people should feel around them. 
or how they should handle people around them. Instead of just letting them be in their own space. Um, mm-hmm. Half the time, I mean, I've seen it with um, close friends. I have. I really. I have a real good close um, friend who she hardly ever smiles. And you know what? It's not because she's mad and pissed. It's just how she is. Like mm-hmm. when she's ready to smile, she smiles. When she want to um, crack a joke, she crack a joke. And she's one of the funniest first people I know. It's just she's going about life. At the end of the day, to be honest, Bree and Reed, people just need to let black women be them. We we want them to right, just leave active. us alone. Yeah, just, just let black women be them. Like literally, um, if, if I'm laughing at Brie mentioned TikTok earlier. There was a trend a couple of months ago where um, a lot of black women was using the sound saying, "Can we just allow black women to be in their space and let them be great?" Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. and, and that's the issue. I mean. Like I said, we don't give black women that same grace that we got, give other nationalities of women. You don't, you don't see no. I've never seen a black guy look at somebody white or Hispanic and be like, "You don't smile enough. Why you don't smile? Smile." You never see that. It only happens when it comes to black women. And to be honest, I really feel like, and I, I know some people may not agree with me, but a lot of people really feel like they own the right to a black woman's emotion. Right. Like, a lot of people feel like they deserve a response from a black woman when actually you do not. Right. Period. Right. Point blank, period. Yeah, there shouldn't be there shouldn't be any reason why a woman has to explain to you why she's not smiling or why she just don't feel like being bothered. Like, why? Why, why do I have to tell you why I don't want to talk to you? And then, um, I and I can speak from experience where, you know, sometimes it is a little scary to be walking somewhere and a guy approach you and in your head, you don't know if he's going to punch you in the face because this is what's going on now in the news where men are attacking women when they're being rejected. So it's like, mm-hmm. you got to deal with the unwanted approaches. You got to, Come up with some reason in your head as to why you're going to let this person down, and and think honestly, is this going is this person going to hurt me? And you know, mm-hmm. I've heard other people when women have said stuff like that. Other people say, well, it's just you, and it's the type of people that you're around. No, no, it really isn't. Because if someone can walk up to you and cannot take no for an answer, what are you supposed to do after that? When you tell someone exactly. now, what else can you possibly say to make them go away without bodily harm being done to you, especially if it's a group of guys? Exactly. And, and it's unfortunate it's not because you're absolutely correct because black women, unfortunately for black women, you have to five steps ahead of when people are approaching. Because mm-hmm. if you do smile, you're probably about to get an un, unwanted approach because mm-hmm. now Tom, Dick, or Harry feel like you're feeling them and feel like that gives them the go-ahead to, to say something to you. Yeah. And then if you don't reciprocate their advances, now you will be a whole this nobody wanted you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. So now, 
Is there such a thing as a black woman being too strong? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some sometimes they they can be, and um, I'll say sometimes it just comes from all that they probably had in their life, like you know, things that have happened that have made them that way. And once they come out of that storm, you know, it's like I'm not going to let anybody do such and such and such and such and such. You know what I mean? So it may be a point where they don't know how to balance that as independent and, like, know how to stand down a little bit, take the edge off to, yeah, they will, they can't come off too strong. And what do you say? Um, what do you say? Oh, I'm in 100% agreement with Dree. Um, my biggest thing I hate for our black women is the fact that we romanticize that a black woman is strong. Like I, I, I understand the connotation and why people are quick to say, like, "Yo, I love how strong black women are." But once again, like I said earlier, black women are about the only ones that we do not allow them to have a safe space to be themselves without having to be strong or protective of themselves all the time. Right. Um, so it's true. Black black women are forced to have to be this strong black woman, and not necessarily because they want to be, but because they have to be. Mm. I agree. I agree with you on that. Let me go ahead and just um, use my strong finger. <laughs> so how do okay so how can um a black woman come off approachable non-intimidating and soft if she's trying to date Marie you got this one you want me to answer first <laughs> uh uh well, pretty much, stand learning how to take the ba- having a balance of understanding that they come off too strong. You know what I mean? And sometimes that's not the case because that's what they're used to doing because they don't know how. They don't know how. You know what I mean? Because, like I said, once again, if they're coming with luggage and baggage and all that type of stuff and, you know, just been through a storm, the guard is, the, the gate is up, the guard is up and everything else. So, no, I'm not letting them in. No, da, 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 da. You know what I mean? So they don't know how to stand down. They have to, you know, and they have to know that they're doing it. They may not even recognize that they're that strong. They just think I'm an independent woman, of course, yes, but they don't. They may not even know that they're coming off that strong. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's true too. Um, at the end of the day, you got to communicate with them, but you have to be able to communicate with a black woman by not not tearing her down for how she is. Because, like Reese said, if she doesn't know that she comes off like that and no one ever tells her in a loving manner, she's never she's never going to know it. The only way she may right. hear about it is if it's some guy's in his feelings because she rejected him and now he's talking about you a bitter black woman, this, 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 and the third. And first of all, 
everyone knows it's the way you say things to people. Right. If I'm feeling and I'm noticing a pattern, I should be able to sit her down like, hey, I don't think you noticed this, but this is how you come off. And sometimes people, one thing people feel like, which I think is a misnomer, is that black women are not approachable. Black women are right. approachable with the approach them. Mm-hmm. And like I said, if you don't approach them correctly, you're probably going to get what you consider a negative response back. But if you sit there and say, hey, this is something that I see that you may want to work on, now she may think about it. Because if you can give her a list of things that she probably never thought about, she's like, huh, you know what, I never thought about that. This makes sense now on why certain people respond the way I respond. Mm-hmm. And then right. other times, sometimes, like I said, our personalities, let let them live in their truth. Um especially if it's not affecting you. One thing I'm noticing when people say this stuff about black women being aggressive and being strong and all this stuff, half, half the time it's not that they're being you guys are being aggressive or being strong. You are literally just being yourself and people don't know how to handle it, unfortunately. Yeah. Once again, black women are the only ones that we tend to act like we don't know how to handle how you guys respond and interact with us. Mm. Right, right. If it's, Especially if, like, it's not sex, if it's not sex, you act like, oh, my God, we don't know what to do with it. And even mm-hmm. with sex, we don't know what to do with you. <laughs> so we just need to come with some kind of manual or something, a translation guide. Bad yeah. thing is nobody will read. You're right. You're right. You right. got a point there. Okay. And, cool. don't, and don't let them be so much of outspoken you know, it just, they just go, oh, they're really bad now because they're just saying too much out of their mouth. You know, they're not following the protocol as to standing down. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah like Alan said, they they could, um, you could feel like you can't approach them because why? Because they may be that one that's just bold enough to tell you what's what off the riff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So then that's another thing. Oh, their mouth or you know, it's just how how being independent and confident about themselves and um and like if they have that that mouth they will say that mouth. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they or you know, stand within their truth and they will tell you too. You know what I mean? So that can make them be unapproachable as well. You know? Mm-hmm. And like I said, the stint, they can be too strong, but like Alan said, if you, you know, take it's a way to talk to anybody. So, I mean, even the the one that looked like the baddest bear, you know, the baddest, mm-hmm. the baddest thing in the room, you know, as far as mouth, attitude, this and that, you know what I mean? It's about how you may approach that person and they be willing to listen, you know, right. because... Uh, nine times out of ten, if somebody has been told the same thing from different people, you know what I mean? They mm-hmm. they they more more than likely may take a look at it. Right. Mhm. Okay. Mm. You two definitely tackle tonight's topic. Good job. Uh, before we move into the um, the live call-ins and feedback from other guests as well as those listening. 
um, want to take a quick moment and have both Alan and Ree let people know how they can be found online and what it is that they do. So, Alan, you can go first. What is it that you do, and then how can people reach out to you and support you? Okay. Um, well, for those who do not know me, my name is Alan Newman Jr. I am a inspirational, motivational speaker. Um, I actually just released my first book on uh, last year called Black Women and Why I Love Them. Um, my goal is basically to show black men and women that you can live in your truth in spite of what your past failings were um, and not to allow people to judge you based on your past. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at Newman's underscore hot takes on Instagram. You can also follow me at Newman underscore junior underscore 2.0 on Instagram. I am currently in Facebook jail on Facebook, but <laughs> you can follow me there at Alan Newman Jr. Currently doing a seven, seven day bid. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter at Newman's hot takes as well. And if you're a TikToker, you can follow me there at Newman Jr. Um, currently right now um, working on developing a devotional guide that will complement my Why Do I Love Black Women book. Um, basically, basically it will be a daily affirmation guide that you can use. And it's not just for um, women. Um, men can use it as well to just daily affirm yourself and set yourself um, up for an amazing week and day. Um, and that is it. All right. Thank you, Alan, so much for coming on tonight and blessing us with the gym, sir. Um, Thank you, man. It's always a pleasure. Yes, sir. And, Ray, what about you? Well, thanks, Alan, for all of that. <laughs> Just going to make my little title so little. <laughs> so, so, um. I am Ree. You can follow me on Instagram, which I'm going to let you know I am not a social media person. So currently <laughs> um, I'm working on my book, uh, The Liar's Den, <clears throat> Cheating a Rude Awakening, uh, which will be coming out again soon. So I am a self-published author. So um, that's it for me. You are also the PR specialist for the network. You said what? Radio network. Um, but yeah. I am. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you again for you both. Coming up, and what we're going to do is we're going to open up the phone lines. Um, if you guys are listening live and want to actually um, chime in, the number is 515-602-9647, and you're going to press the number one. That's going to let me know that you have something to say, and I'll bring you up. So first, we have our host, RG, back on the line. RG, how's it going? you have a question, or did you want to address something um, that was previously said. Uh, yeah, I was just um, listening, as always. And uh, shout, out to, shout out to Newman. Free Newman, free Newman, free Newman, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I joke, I kid. But one thing I was listening to when they were talking about black women smiling, and one thing we have to have a little bit of nuance, because if you understand the fact that constantly under attack, 
it's hard to turn off a battle mentality when you constantly have to fight for everything. Mm-hmm. Attack for mm-hmm. just breathing. So, mm-hmm. it's, so how do you draw the line between a combative person and a person that's constantly under attack that always has to be on their guard? Because you can easily smile at somebody, and next thing you know, they try to rob you or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's just the that's just the game. So, I don't know how we fix them, but I think we as people should have more nuance when we come to people and try to have empathy for the situations that people are placed in. But it's easy to say everybody. If you haven't checked the temperature, there's only a handful of people going through hell on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's hard to tell people to turn that off when you never know where people are cut. Right. That, that, that's just my take on it. You know what I mean? Okay. So you just have to take people on a case-by-case basis and try to understand the game. There might be some stuff that, yo, you might be able to feel and get over. There might be some stuff that you can get over. But we have to get out of stereotypes, like I said earlier. We're, we're not just one group of drones that we all think and feel the same. You got to take people on a case-by-case basis. Okay. I I definitely agree with you on that. Um, and also understand that some people could be having a bad day. Like, yeah. you don't know what they're going through. You don't know. They literally could be in a rush to go to the hospital, and you want to stop them and Damn, baby girl, you can't smile. Ain't nobody trying to smile right now. I'm bleeding internally. No, I do not want to talk to you. Thank you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you never know what people are going through. Yeah. Reed, what do you think about what um, RG just said? I agree. I agree. I agree. 100%. Mm, Okay. Um... Now, as I stated, those who are um, listening in, the number that you want to call is 7, oh, I was going to say 717, I don't know what number that is, 515-602-9647, and you're going to press the number 1 if you have something to say, and that way um, I'll know to bring you up. Tonight's topic was based on societal misconceptions of Black men and women. So if you want to chime in on any of the topics that any of the guests spoke about today, go ahead and give us a call, and we'll definitely get you up. Um, Let's see. Right now on the line, we do have Ree, and we have RG, and um, we are now um, connecting Jay Rose back on Jay Rose. Hello. Hi, hi. Um, yeah, I wanted to just jump back in real quick. I, I was like out of the conversation because I have my six-year-old here driving me crazy. Um, <laughs> but um, someone had mentioned something about like women having to be, um, how we're like afraid when a guy comes up to us because we don't know what's gonna happen, and how women these days, a lot of women are getting attacked for, um, for rejecting men. Um. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I recently had a conversation about that and, you know, discussing, like, how could we prevent stuff like this happening? And, you know, there was something that a friend told me a very long time ago and was like, she said, men aren't equipped to deal with heartbreak. 
um, they're not equipped. We're not equipping them with the the tools that they need to be able to process getting their feelings hurt. And you know, so it stems down to you know what we're teaching our little boys and our little girls. Um, little boys need to understand that like no is okay, and you have to be able to accept a no. Um, and acting upon that no is wrong. Um, and what the problem is that other men also aren't checking. Did you get back there? Like, so, you know, it kind of, like, triggered this whole, like, thought process of, like, how can we prevent this? So, like, if men can also speak up, because it's always us speaking up, you know, and it's always us standing up and saying, this happened to me. And then someone else says, oh, this happened to me too. And now all the women are rallying up and we're standing up and then our allies come behind us. But it's very rare that I see another man tell another man, like, yo, why are you acting like that? Just right. take the L. You know, sometimes men actually are, like, not, they, they perpetuate it by, like, being like, damn, you're going to let her talk to you like that? Are you going to let her play you like that? You know, instead men should be standing up for us too. Like we can't be the only voices for ourselves. We need support from men as well. Like we need to see y'all checking each other and, and putting each other in place because, you know, that pride, that that pride can get gets people killed. Like mm-hmm. there's women that lost their lives just because they didn't want to give a dude her number. You know, and you, men should be okay with that. And some uh, somebody said, I can't remember who it was, but she said, like, I shouldn't have to explain to you why I don't want to give you my number. Like, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have to explain to you why I don't want to have sex with you, even if we're in a relationship together. Like, I shouldn't have to explain it and give you a reason. Like, my no should be more than enough, and you should respect right. that. You should respect that, right. you know, instead of forcing this, like, unwanted consent because then what do we do? We give in, you know, and then we walk away from the situation feeling less than ourselves because we voiced ourselves, but now our voice got muted, right. you know. So if we're teaching okay. young men that it's okay to sit to it, like hearing no is fine, like rejection is okay, failure mm-hmm. is great because it's just one step closer to to success. Like now you know what doesn't work. If we teach our children that, I think that when they grow up to be adults, they'll be able to accept rejection a lot better because that's one of the biggest problems that we have um, mm-hmm. in our communities is, is not accepting that rejection. Like, there's so much pride that really yeah. it really doesn't make any sense. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Come through with the come through, J-Rose. That is <laughs> I, 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 I was like, oh, I got something to say. <laughs> No, I agree with you a thousand percent. Like, if if we learn to not only even accept no, but it's okay to say no. Like, pick mm-hmm. a day of the week and let that be your no day. And just say no. Just, no I like that. that. You know, like, get used to it. Because when you get used to it, then you get used to the reactions. And once you've gotten used to the reactions, then you realize, hey, the reactions aren't hurting me. It's okay for me to say no. It's okay for me to not have to explain myself. Like, I literally had a a guy friend who wanted to tell me something, and I said, no, I really don't want to hear it. But no, I want to I don't want to hear it. But I want to talk. So 
No, so my no, me telling you I don't want to hear it doesn't matter. So, I, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. understand. I think if we, mm-hmm. when we are in situations even like that and we correct the behavior, if enough times they're corrected, something is going to click in the head. And you know what? It's not even just men. It's women, too. When a guy tells you he don't want to be with you, sis, oh. he doesn't want to be with you. That is like, take it is. Let's not make excuses for them. Let's not feel like, oh, we can change them. Oh, he just don't want me right now because he's going through something because somebody made him mad. No, he don't want you. Accept it and move on. And that's the yeah. hardest thing for people to do is to accept yeah. the no. So I appreciate yeah. you coming on and even popping that out there because it's so true. Like, if we can get them while they're young, boys and girls, then growing up, it, we're not going to have these situations where people are afraid to say mm-hmm. no because of what the repercussions are. Yeah. It's encouraging emotional intelligence in our children. Um, and, like, it, it, it gives them, like, some type of, like, level of empathy because now they can get that rejection and they won't look at it. They won't internalize it and personalize it. They'll empathize with the person that's saying no and understand that this is their decision and it doesn't necessarily always have anything to do with you as a person. Right, I appreciate it once again. J-Rose, thank for you. Dropping yes, thank you. I appreciate the conversation. This has been actually – it was. Like, sometimes you don't know what to expect, you know? So I'm like, wow, this is really beautiful, and this needs to happen more often. Yes, we are, we're We're definitely going to have more of these conversations. Um, I keep telling everybody, listen until the end, because there's another announcement. So um, I'm going to put you back in the queue so that you can continue to hear. And we have Rob up. Rob, you have something to say, Mr. Rockwell? Oh, absolutely. Um uh, what my sister just now said, I want to touch on something. Um, how do we expect men to stand up when we have a generation of grown men running around that were raised by women, including myself? Mm-hmm. So it's hard to expect something of someone if they never learned. Mm-hmm. So my question is, how do, how how do we solve that? How do we? It goes back. It goes deeper than. Oh, this guy is 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 not doing that, doing enough. This guy is not present. This guy is not here. This guy needs to step step up and talk. But we have a lot of grown men running around as grown boys. Yeah. So, how do we fix that? First and foremost, by bringing it to the forefront and acknowledging that it exists. Mm. I think that's. That's the first thing. That's if, if we can at least say, hey, yes, this is a problem, then we can start to figure out, okay, what is it that we can do to understand why it exists and figure out resolutions. Um, let me see. Who else is on here? Because maybe someone else can also address it. Let's, let's see. Hold on, Rob. We do have somebody else. Hello. How are you? Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. Can you hear me? I can. Wonderful. My name is Adia Wells, um, host of the Relationship You Want Soon to Come uh, podcast. This is a fantastic question uh, and a conversation 
that must be had uh, continually. But to continue in terms of resolution, what the mm-hmm. what the um, young lady just said in terms of resolution for issues like having 70% of the African-American community being raised by single-parent, female-led households, there are obviously men in our community who have the capacity need to take a child in. That's mm-hmm. the one way to address that. We need to have men who are willing to be a big brother, be a father to another yeah. child. The other thing is we as women have to acknowledge it, acknowledge publicly as well as privately that we need our men. We need our men. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to value them. We need to honor them. We need to celebrate them. We need to encourage them. We need to come alongside them. That is the way to keep them in our homes and to keep them in our communities. That is the way to keep them out of harm's way and out of danger um, is to surround them with love and let them know that they are valuable. Now, the other side to that to that coin is oftentimes men who come from single-parent households do not feel valuable. They may not necessarily know that they have a place of importance. They may not necessarily know what things they need to do or what things are expected of them. That's the other thing that we need to do, particularly in our relationships, and that is make sure, one, that we understand our own expectations, but, two, that we don't hold someone to an expectation that we have not communicated. That's That's a recipe for failure. And we do that so often as women, so often we will get upset, and we will go from here to there because somebody didn't do what we thought they should have had done and what they should have, should have thought through and what they blah, 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 blah. And then it ends up being pure disrespect. Respect yeah. for a man is love. Yeah. Respect for a man is love. So we end up disrespecting them, and then we wonder why they leave. Mm-hmm. And then it's a repeating cycle. So, absolutely. But not only that, our children are watching us disrespect, and then they yeah. disrespect. And then we wonder why 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 we don't have fathers present. Because mm-hmm. you can have an eight-year-old who's being disrespectful to you. Why would mm-hmm. I deal with that child being disrespectful to me, man or woman? Right. So it, it, when, we, when we talk about cycles, we're not just talking about cycle between one generation. We're talking about multi-generational cycles. Right. Yeah. Oh, you brought that. Listen, Ms. Welch, I'm going to come on. I'm not going to be the only one. Thank you, thank you. And repeat, what's the name of your show again? The Relationship You Want? That's right. The Relationship You Want is a podcast that will be launching May 31st. Check out the web, the website, wisdomrelationships.com, wisdomrelationships.com. It should be up tomorrow. <laughs> it should be up tomorrow. Awesome. Thank you so much for chiming in. Um, and, and definitely Absolutely. answering uh, that question. I appreciate you, and I appreciate everyone who uh, has called in, who has dropped gems tonight. This topic was amazing. Like, I'm going to give you all a round of applause because not only did you guys show up, but you showed up and checked out. So um, I'm going to run right back through all of the guests that was on tonight, please make sure you guys check them out online and follow them. Let them know that you heard them live on the episode, um, The Societal Misconceptions of Black Men and Women from Raw and Rugged. And 
support what they got going on. So tonight we had Jay Rose, who is a poet, host, entrepreneur, a woman of many talents. Make sure you show her some love. We have Rob Wells, who is a life coach, motivator. Uh, he's a host. He's an entrepreneur. He does it. He does everything. Um, absent, but of course, we still have to mention him, Mr. Steve Burlack. He is also a motivational speaker as well as an author. We had Dee Wilson, who is a consultant and an entrepreneur as well. We had Alan Newman, Jr., who is a host, author, and entrepreneur. We had Ree, who is a PR specialist for the He Said What Radio Network, as well as a self-published author and entrepreneur. We had Royal Games II. He is a host, business owner, entrepreneur, and funny guy. And we had Michelle with one L. Not with one E, it's one L. So Michelle with one L, she is a host, an entrepreneur, and a woman of many hats. We had uh, Mike Johnson, who is also a host, a poet, and an entrepreneur. We had Angela Roll. I got it, Angela, I got it this time. Angela Roll, who is a host, an advisor, and an entrepreneur. And special shout-out to... Ida Wells, she called in this evening, um, and she has her podcast, Relationship You Want, launching uh, May the 31st, and you guys check her out as well. My name is Stephanie Green. I am a CEO of the network. He said, what? Radio Network. Um, if this is your first time tuning into this network, listen, you have done yourself a good deed, okay? This network has six Shows. And I'm going to run through those very quickly. Um, the six shows that we have on Monday, we have sports with myself, RG, and one Mike, starting at 8 p.m. until uh-oh, what did I just do? Starting um, 8 p.m. until um, <laughs> 9:30, and then Tuesdays we have. Studio Vibes with myself and an independent artist starts at 7:30 to 7:45. Following 8 o'clock is He Said What? With myself interviewing one male guest. Wednesday, we have She Said What? Alan Newman Jr. Show starts at 8 p.m. until 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On Fridays, we have Spanish Finesse with Nisi. Please make sure you guys check that show out. Miss Nisi, that show goes from 9 o'clock until 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On Sundays, we have Let's connect with Keys Intuition, our spiritual guide. That show is from 8 p.m. until 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we got another show coming up, but I'm going to announce that much later. Now, the special announcement. All of the guests that you have heard tonight will be rejoining us again next month for a part two to the Societal Misconceptions of Black Men and Women. So please make sure you go to HeSaidWhatNetwork.com. Subscribe so you can get first. Thank you guys for rocking with us tonight. I really appreciate it. And happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers, stepmoms, and moms-to-be. Bye.